I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson, uh, taking over for Wesley Euler here, who took us through the noon hour. And uh, Matt, uh, just got done. I just got done with uh, some conference calls uh, with uh, Steelers running back James Conner, his position coach, uh, Eddie Faulkner. We'll hear, uh, we'll hear from Eddie Faulkner later in the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Conner and Faulkner, of course, throughout, throughout the day. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, lots, of, lots of good stuff there. Uh, James Conner said there was never... A thought for him to opt out for this season. Of course, Connor, a uh, Hodgkin lymphoma survivor, mm-hmm. was never a concern for him not to play this year. Good. And uh, Faulkner said that you know he never even thought about Connor not playing because he just knows the kind of competitor that James Connor is. He knows the man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, interesting. Um, obviously, he got, he had a lot more reason to than others. Um, he's also entering a contract year and has a lot to prove. And I'm sure you've heard this more than me, but, you know, this time of year you often hear he's in the best shape of his life. He's totally focused, all those things. And I haven't heard the interview yet, but the impression I've gotten from Connor this offseason is he is really into it. (laughs) Conditioning has never been the issue for him. Um, The injuries that he's had have never been hamstrings or those types of things. Mm -hmm. It's always been a knee. It's been an ankle. It's been a shoulder. Good point. His running style leads itself to injuries it does it does and i mean he's just a, he's a physical and, runner know, yeah he, is. Uh, he certainly looks for contact delivers contact breaks tackles and that's what you like about him too yeah i mean it's not like he the was, things that you like about him are the things that cause the things that you don't like about right. him that's <laughs> it's, just it's a catch 22 yeah being at every down back in the league and you know you just kind of keep your fingers crossed with him more than others but you're right i mean it's not like he was Boy, Jerome Bettis lost 20 pounds. You know, you'd hear the NC and be like, where'd it go? <laughs> you know, like that, that's, that's not the problem. And yeah. Yeah, I'm sure some people have seen the videos that he's posted and that kind of stuff, too. He looks tremendous. And we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think he could be in for a huge year, or we could all be shaking our heads going, wow, I mean, that would have been great, but we can't count on you. I mean, to your point about uh, the free agent market, here are some of the other guys who are going to be potentially hitting the free agent market mm, at yeah. the end of this season. Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Matt Breida, Kenyon Drake. I mean, there's even lesser guys like Tariq Cohen. Yeah, you know, guys, like, guys of that. that I'm, I'm just right. talking. These, right. these are guys these who are, guys. who are like lead backs. When we do our fantasy <laughs> segment, we talk about them all the time. Yeah, they're all like top three round picks. I, you know? I mean, now not all these guys are going to hit the open market. Some sure. of them will be resigned. Some of them may get franchise tagged. Mm-hmm. All those, all that stuff. But 
my goodness, I, the the free agent running back market. If you're going to if you're going to stand out among that crowd, right? Or at least, I mean, you better have a good season. Better a good season. And yeah, you know, right. while some some Steeler fans may look and go, "Well, yeah, if he has a good season, it's just because of the free agency stuff." No, doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. I mean, <laughs> if if James Conner has a great season, the Steelers benefit from that as well. It's funny we did our MVPs and things yesterday, and and we all thought Ben was going to be the offensive MVP. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I said, well, if Conner plays sixteen and he runs for thirteen hundred, he's going to be a major. I mean, this team might be thirteen and three. Right. You know yeah. I mean? I mean, they they could certainly, especially at this point in Ben Roethlisberger's career, use that kind of. Oh, game. Yeah. I mean, they, right, right. They, they they can't be 30th in running the ball again this year. Not 100% true. I mean, if he's averaging 4.2 a clip or so and getting a fair amount of on his own, but you're keeping people out of the box, you're just so much harder to play against. Put teams away when you have a lead. Let that defense rush the passer. Four-minute offense with a big back. You know, goal line, you you know, uh, field goals turn into touchdowns. I mean, it's it's he's very, very important for this year. And um, part of me is a believer at, quote, running backs don't matter, and I know that's extreme. But I think he's ex- as important as just about any non-quarterback on this team right now. Well, the thing that he brings to the equation, um, it's not just the running of the football. Mm-hmm. He also catches the ball very well. Very well. In, in, in 2017, um, or I'm sorry, 2018, or when he uh, – his, be- his big year, yeah. the Pro Bowl year. He had – 973 yards rushing, but he also caught 55 passes for nearly 500 yards. Yeah, and he's a, he's a very good blitz pickup guy. Huge. He's right, the right. he's the one guy on the Steelers roster who uh, at running back is a complete running back. Yeah, like he's the closest even, thing they have to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like when he came in the league and people were excited about him, and us included, he flashed. You know, we'd say things like, "Well, he's not a better runner than Lev. He's not a better receiver than Lev." He's not better than protection than Lev Bell. Now, he's that guy. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure there's any. There were people team. making that argument, though, that, oh, wow, well, they, they don't miss Le'Veon Bell at all mm-hmm. in 2018 because they had James Conner. Oh, right, right. And, and some of his numbers were better. Um, but I think he really is their best guy in protection, their best receiver. I mean, he's not the typical, you know, theoretic. He's not the tell right. that the no, other guys are. Absolutely true. And, and as a receiver, I think he's really evolved. Obviously, his numbers reflect this, but he makes more difficult catches now. His route or his routes are a little further downfield. I mean, they're not just stand there, and if I get in trouble, I'll dump it to you. you, know, and, you and, and, and the you. thing was, I mean, as bad as it was last season, and it was bad uh, for, for James Conner in particular. It was. Um, there are a couple games they don't win without James Conner. Early. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he 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 almost single-handedly carried them to offensively to a win against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. The game that he had against Miami when he had 145 yards on the on 23 carries that was both his season highs. I mean, he ground out that the end of that game for them against a, a Dolphins team that was improving. I mean, not to harp on fantasy, but those were two of the only efforts that any Steeler put in that you were kind of happy that you checked that box in the morning <laughs> with your, you know, like that actually put together a nice stat line, had a good game, no matter any way you cut it fantasy or not. And to show his importance and how hurting they were at the position. And I think this kind of started on that Thursday night in Cleveland. He, he, he gave it a go. And, and the coaches said, you know, basically said, we're going to try trot him out there. But late in the season, he was not ready to be, I mean, 
Uh, you almost should. It, everyone would have been better off if he would have been inactive in a couple of those games. But to their credit and how desperate they were, you know, let, let's try it and give it a go and see how you feel. But he didn't look like himself. Yeah, he had I mean, 20, 24 touches after week seven. Yeah, right. That, and for your lead, for your lead running back, right. um, that's just not that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. And I do think they're better equipped for life without him right now. Mike seems to like Benny Snell. They more found than some me, things but, out. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they have found some things out. Um, I don't think that they'll get in the position where they were last year, where they were so thin that they basically did not have NFL running backs on, you know, available to them. Here's here's a couple numbers for him that that kind of stand out to me from last year. Um, yards before contact, 1.7 yards before contact. Yards after contact for James Conner last year, 2.3 yards after con- first contact. Okay. Um, if you look at his 2018 season, whoops, i got to get it up here. Um, I think he was amongst the leaders from what I remember. Yeah. Uh, contact. Before contact in, in 2018, it was uh, – where did that go? All right. Oh, that's, I had it here. <laughs> this is good radio. There you go. Um, what the heck? Needless to say, it was good, and you can you'll keep. Okay, here we go. I got it. Okay, he created yeah. a lot of space. On so his yards before contact, the previous season. Remember, mm-hmm. it was one point three last season. It was two point four. So there were there were an extra holes. yard. There were fewer there defenders were, in the box. His yards after contact better. was the same. Two point one yards after contact. So that was He's the doing same. The same thing. He still, but he, he didn't have as much room to run last year, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily on the offensive line. That's on loaded boxes. Where, yeah, yeah, what you're dealing with, right? You couldn't throw him out of it. Yeah, I think that's dead on. Um, late in the year, I would throw away that tape if that's what people remember with him, because he, he the year and a half previous to that. I thought he was a really strong back. The 2008 season, early in 2009, didn't get as much help in 2009. 19, you mean, yeah. 19, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right, right, Um But, I mean, I just did my running back ranks. He was my 12th or 13th back in the league. I mean, I didn't love the pick. Frankly, I'm a pick guy, and I didn't love the pick when they made it, and I thought, he's kind of a monotone guy, not going to bring me much in the passing game. He's a little not too 1980 for me. But his work ethic is obvious, and he's improved dramatically. And he does, you know, make unblocked defenders miss and drags people and is useful in all situations. He's a good player. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just look at that yards before contact and yards after contact in 2018, uh, that adds up to 4.5 yards combined mm-hmm. before and after contact. No, you take it. You take sure. that. Uh, you, you know, if he gets, he, he averages 4.5 yards a carry this year. Oh, they'll be in good shape. The Steelers are going to be very happy they with will. James Conner. As long as he plays 12 games. You know, as long as he plays a substantial part of the season, it's not a two-game sample size, and then he's questionable week to week, and they shut him down and those type of things. And we know his history, and I am not a doctor, but I don't get the feeling that it's a girly recurring knee or a four-net recurring ankle. You know, it's not a chronic thing that just keeps – he can't beat. It's just bad luck or, you know, coincidence. Yeah, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that uh, if they get a healthy James Conner this year, uh, let, let's say it's even just for the 13 games like he played in 2018. Um, if he puts up those kind of numbers, the same kind of numbers that he put up in 2018, um, 13 touchdowns in 13 games. Yeah. Steelers will take that all oh, day yeah. long. Yeah, you know, I think he had almost 1,500 total yards 
Um, again, people were looking pointing to that and saying, "See, they didn't miss Jay- they didn't miss uh, Le'Veon Bell. It's a system. <laughs> the system is producing these these backs." Well, all of a sudden now, hey, we were on that train as well in the offseason. They need to draft a running back. Yeah, they need, right, to, they right. need to take one early. I'm not gonna not gonna say I wasn't because um, I don't know if he'll be back next year. But that's the problem. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. I, I, to me. This would have been a good year to to work somebody new into the equation mm-hmm. if you don't Just think you're going to get him right over to that 49th pick or whatever. But there's that whole feeling too that hey, uh, you know, given everybody that's going to be hitting the free agent market, they're not all going to be breaking the bank. They're not, yeah, you may get him right. back at a at a reasonable price, mm-hmm. um, and if that's the case, then you know I'm not necessarily in favor of of signing you know running backs to uh, that second contract at at a high price, but if you get James Conner at $5 million, Two-year deal, maybe? Yeah, you know, something, like deal, something like that. Something like that. You still draft yeah. or you know, see where McFarland's at at that point. Um, Tomlin has proven, and I've been critical of him, but I understand it more now than I used to, of being a true one-back guy. Um, and I've heard some quotes with him saying, well, our style of running game, a lot of pulling guards and a lot of offensive line movement, we really want our linemen to get a great feel for the ball carrier, which is a different way of saying And most people would say, I'm going to play the best guy. But there's more logic to it than just, I'm going to put the best guy out. Well, again, when, you, when it's Le'Veon Bell in his prime, field, you right? don't want to take him off the field. That's back in the league. When you know? don't have another guy who's as, as competent as James Conner in all facets of the game. If it's a downgrade in every phase. Yeah. You know. Um, then so, yeah, you don't you don't take those guys off the field. When it's Isaac Redman and you know and Dwyer and, and Jonathan Dwyer, right. yeah, you're going to play. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, or when Connor was out last year, I mean they were just searching. But where I was going with that is, do you think the workload percentage might be a little less than Connor in his best years, Lev Bell, Willie Parker, just with some big picture thinking? Or well, I hey, think McFarland's yeah, I a think curveball that we haven't had. Type of Faulkner kind of talked about that okay. today. He was asked, uh, you know, do you think early in the season that because guys aren't going to be, you know, necessarily up to speed in terms of the conditioning and everything, right? Not them, right? Um, are you going to have to maybe have more roles for some of the other guys? And he said, yeah. I mean, they're, that's something that, that they're going to have to look at. Um, I think you can. You mentioned about being a tell. We've talked mentioned this before. I mean, last year their running back situation was as big a tell as zero. Oh yeah, they were, they they were playing uh, you know uh, poker and showing everybody their hand. Right. You know? Here's, comes here's what I got. Bet against this. Right. Yeah. Sam Hill comes r- running out there. We're going to throw it. Yeah. So you can't I, get I, in that situation. I think maybe this year you see perhaps less Samuels. I think if he makes the team. Right. I think maybe you see Snell in short yardage situations. Mm-hmm. I think he proved that he's pretty good at that last year. I think you can give him a series here and there too. I yeah, I think you know? that that's a that's a possibility as well, just to kind of allow Connor to rest. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that you want to come out at the start of the season and give somebody twenty five touches. No, probably not. I wonder how much around the league we'll even see that. You know, like what will the the workload distribution look like in those first two especially weeks. for the running back position for, that's what i mean, I mean it's backs, right. you know wide receivers i kind of get if, if if a guy's a deep threat and he's runs you know two straight fly patterns yeah he's probably going to come out of the game yeah <laughs> but then he'll go right back in yeah and they'll throw it to somebody else and it's not like his targets are right. going to fall down dramatically maybe but the running back position different. yeah you could i thought i don't know that you're going to see guys uh the true workloads you're not going to see ezekiel elliott get you know Maybe not. Be on the field for if the, if the Cowboys play 60 offensive snaps, is he going to play 55 of them? Makes me wonder about Barkley in week one. You know, every every rep that he's sitting because it's early in the year and that's just what backs are doing, great. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> again, you're taking uh, maybe their best weapon off the field, mm-hmm. uh, especially early in the season. It's such a grueling position. It, it is, and, you know, that's all part of it. Uh, why, you know, teams aren't paying that position sure. the way it used to, but, man, there's a lot of good backs that are going to be. <laughs> there are. I mean, they're I all mean, in the same time. If you, if you were ranking the top, you know, 10 backs in the league, which you, you have did, done. Right, a couple were in there. Yeah, more than a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some guys that are pretty high in that list. And, of course, the uh, the Carolina Panthers just took McCaffrey off that list. Right. He was, uh, you know, had the potential to be a free agent there. Um, but uh, I, I did want to take a break here. we got yeah, some other things that we uh, have to get to today. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to continue talking about, well, this running back situation Um, some of the other stuff going on around the team. We'll do that right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Matt, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Eddie Faulkner talked about uh, on his uh, call with us today, and uh, we'll hear the Eddie Faulkner interview uh, here a little bit later in the show, was he talked about Benny Snell okay, and how he is, uh, he is actually sl- uh, slimmed down from last year. I like hearing that. And he said that he, you know, he's, he feels good about it because Snell did this working on his own like there was nobody that you know he wasn't in the team training you know wasn't at the facility okay. working under the eyes of their trainers or anything like that he went and did this now maybe they said you need to lose some weight i'm sure it was a suggestion or there yeah. was some communication you know, but the fact that he was to able it. to go and do it on his own and, and, and stay diligent about that throughout the, the uh, process yeah. i was wondering where you're going with that because i was yeah. like why is it better he did it on his own i'd rather have the steelers people overseeing every step of it but the fact that I think what you're getting at that is a young guy is a young player went out and you know understood you know what they wanted him to do and was able to then make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I think speaks volumes about Benny Snell and his his work work ethic. I think this fortifies. I mean, the things I've noticed with him since he's been a Steeler is he is trying to get better at a rapid rate. I mean, I didn't think I, I don't think that he's a fantastic prospect or he's super gifted. But, boy, he put a lot of work in last year in protection, the receiving game, and really on special teams. You know, like, 
he was, was a standout on special teams. I mean, he made some out. tackles that like like if you th- if you were putting together a highlight reel of, of the Steelers special teams mm-hmm. tackles last year, he probably shows up on there four or five times. Yeah, right. Which is a lot for a, for a special teams highlight reel. I mean, and you got to think where he came from. I mean, he was a a big school, but a school that loses a lot and doesn't recruit well. I mean, he was the focal point of every defense. He's the biggest man on campus. He wasn't you know playing I mean? special teams no, at Kentucky. exactly. I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit of checking your ego at the door situation. And that says a lot to me. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they, they, they Steelers could have a, a good one-two punch at the running back position. Um, and we'll see, you know, how the other guys fit into the equation. Um you know, it's not going to be as dynamic as, as you know, some other teams, situations right, right, right. around the league. But it doesn't need to be dynamic. Dy- you know, it doesn't need to be. That's what they're that. looking for. No, they right. they they're looking for steady and and mm-hmm. consistent. And if they can be steady and consistent, I think that the uh, the the offense could be pretty good. I agree. I agree. Um, I think the offense is deep, and I think that's true at the running back position now too. Um, I don't know who the two is, or there's not that Kamara coming off the bench for Ingram type of you know situation. But few have that. Um, but I think you can win games with Benny Snell. Yeah, I think you they know, showed that they did that they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the three games that that James Conner did play in the second half, they lost all three of them. The, their wins mind. in the second half came with with Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels carrying the load, um, you know, with with Kareth White thrown in there. So they've they've shown that they can do that, um, you know. And, and I think, uh, you know, when we talked about the Mike Mike Clay rankings last week, the Steelers running backs are ranked thirty first in the league. I didn't understand that one. Right? Um, you know, you had Connor ranked twelfth in the league as overall as, as a runner. Right, right. Um, you know, I don't know that their their running back their running back room isn't twelfth in the league. No, but if no. it can be in the top twenty, uh, you take it. For you'll sure. take it all day. Yeah, and especially to, for what you're paying that group. That's the thing. It's a thirty second paid group yeah. in the league. You know, <laughs> um, and if you get more than what you pay for, you're you're very happy, and you should get more than what you pay for. And back to kind of like how the Steelers run the football, and they're not exclusively a zone team or a man team or whatever. But they do, and it was really evident with Lev, they they move their linemen a lot. There's a lot of pooling guards. There's some more longer developing plays. And that works great with Le'Veon Bell. Well, I mean, it was awesome for yeah. him. And the Jets aren't doing that at all for whatever. <laughs> I mean, the poor guy is like, he's totally a round peg in a square hole up there. And they're not using him in the passing game. But where I was going with this is your point to start the segment, that if he did shave a little weight – you assume his stop-start explosion is better. And I don't think anyone's going to run like Lev Bell and basically stop his feet at the line of scrimmage in the right. hole, look around, you know, pay his taxes. Levy and, and Bell didn't do that in college. No, no. Uh, and, and the thing is, you know, when you look at Bell, who played at, you know, 245, 250 pounds in college, and they right. told him to get down, you know, he, he was down to 230 his rookie year, down to like 220-ish uh, after that. Um you know, again, James Conner was uh, – I, I don't know exactly what he played at at Pitt, but I think he was listed at 240. I mean, he's lean. He's got, he's got a better he's burst gotten, now. Yeah. He's leaner now. So I didn't love him coming out of school. Those guys had to carry play. that kind of – they carried that kind of weight in college, and same with Benny Snell, because they were guys who were getting the ball 30 times a game. They weren't at Bama with five other backs. Yeah. It, it wasn't outside right. the norm to see right. those guys. They, they, car- they, they were, were the offense. They were the entire <laughs> offense. Sure. There, that's where the Steel. If, you look, if you're looking for a, a trend in what the Steelers are looking for at running back, it's that. Mm-hmm. They want guys who are capable of carrying the load. 
uh, and being a, you know guys who showed that they could carry it thirty times the, the, in college. The most important piece on their college offense. Yeah. Or, and, and I'm not McFarland wasn't quite that, but he also had an ankle last year. Yeah. And Leak got a lot. There of were times at Maryland where he was Absolutely. that guy. Two years ago, he was yeah. quite a bit. So he's shown some of those qualities too. And you often bring this up. I think people look at him and think he's, you know, a 190 pound speedster track guy. I mean, that, if you see him in person, I haven't seen him in person, but I'm sure he looks a lot different than that. And he's definitely heavier than that too. Um, but back to what I was talking about with the, as much as they pull guards and the style of runs that they they do, it's not put your foot in the ground and get everything you can accelerate up the yeah. up the middle. It's They're not stop, looking for Matt Breida. Right, right, right. You know, stop, start wait for this block to develop, then get upfield. I mean, I think that explosion will be very helpful for them, for Snell. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe break a tackle uh, yeah, too. Right. You know, he showed he could do that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he was not going down on first contact last year. Um, you know, he's the kind of runner who, if, if, if it's blocked up for – Four yards, he's going to get you four yards. Yeah, five. Maybe five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Maybe but five. He falls. You know, he falls forward. And it, and it won't be thirty. <laughs> no, it's not going to be thirty. But right. that's what the passing game's for. Mm-hmm. The passing game is is to get you those chunk yards, and maybe you come up with some kind of gadget stuff. The other thing that was interesting, they were talking about. Um, Faulkner was asked about, you know, what what can you do to make the the run game better. And he he also talked about well the pre snap motion and some of that stuff. Yeah. You're going to see more pre snap motion from the Steelers this year with Good. the with uh, you know with, with with everything that they're they're adding into the equation with Matt Canada. Too many guys talking about it. it. Just coming up over and over. Yeah. yeah. What I think is interesting too, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, is Derek Watt, because when you have a fullback in the backfield, and he, I like that he's not just. Tim Lester Whitman downhill hammer because yeah. you can detach him and he's not he's not quite use check but he's closer to that mold than what the Steelers have had but what these great running teams do and the, and the Niners are the best of that at it is creating new gaps after the snap you know like yeah. okay I have all my responsible gaps and I have a fullback who's going to create a new gap and what why I'm talking about that is the linebackers in the Big 12 and the SEC, they have never seen that. They don't know how how to fit that against a, 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 a fullback or a tight end that motions and creates a new gap. I think we're going to see a lot more of that from the Steeler running game, too. Is more. I'm not explaining exactly perfectly, but... I understand what you're saying. They, they, see, they see so much stuff in the spread in college. Right. They don't see a fullback. They don't see. They don't even see a tight end on the field. Right, right. Um, that you know what the gaps are created just by the the movement mm-hmm. uh, of the offensive line. Well, now all of a sudden you've, you're adding more to the equation here that they haven't seen before. Right. How's Patrick Queen, for example, going to react to that? They haven't. I mean, yeah. even Bush had issues with that last year. I mean, I, I mean the Niners do it to everybody. That you you wonder sometimes it's like that when they when they steamrolled the Packers in the playoffs. These massive gaps. Well, some of the linebackers are taking on the wrong block because they don't know what gap they're responsible for. Yeah. You know, it happens so well and they disguise it so well. And even, you know, in those situations, any gap mm-hmm. is enough for the, you know, a patient running back. Right. If you're not just running it up in there, um, again, we talked a lot about that when we were talking about the running back, you know, in the, the guys coming out of college. Well, look at this guy. He's very pa- He's a patient runner. I think we were talking about Moss. Well, he's yeah. he waits for things to get set up, and some of the other guys, they just want to get it and go. Um, you know, that patience at running back, um, you know, w- having watched Le'Veon Bell all those years, um, 
you know, maybe he was too patient. <laughs> Not his best. I mean, yeah. I mean, like a great artist, I mean, he made it work like few others, um, and he fit the scheme really well. But I am excited about Watt in terms of he can make the defense's rules wrong. You know, like right. our rule is to take this guy on in the B gap. Well, there's the B, now there's a B gap, so you got D gap. I'm going to go over to the C, but and then Connor runs right through the B gap. Yeah, you know he, what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's, it, it's a lot more, and it happens quick. Yeah, it does happen fast on the NFL field. And again, if if you don't have this is this is the thing that's going to be interesting about this, especially early in the season. Um, the Steelers have, have put some tweaks into this offense with the again the potential of pre-snap motion, mm-hmm. uh, the addition of Watt, who's going to be on the field. I think more often than than Roosevelt Nix was, and certainly more of a I think so yeah. more of a weapon than Roosevelt Nix was. Um, I'm interested to see how, and we've talked a lot about this. If teams are playing a lot of vanilla type defenses because they're not up to speed yet, uh, you know how the Steelers attack that and, and how they how the defenses react when you see a bunch of pre snap motion mm-hmm. and, and and those kind of things and, and what it creates for that offense. I don't know if they'll do it to this degree, but for example, I, I like to use this example a lot. If I'm Bud Dupree at my right outside linebacker spot on the line of scrimmage and I'm playing the Chiefs. And Tyreek Hill comes from the opposite He's side. Screaming of at me on every snap, yeah. Running four-two across <laughs> the center, I at least have to respect that he's going to get the ball. And if he does, that's also a gap that I didn't account for too. And I at least have to stop my feet for a split second before I attack the inside run or whatever. Because if Tyreek gets it, I could do everything possible to push him back inside. Yeah. So, and and so even that illusion pays off huge. But even not even in the run game. Just using more pre-snap motion, it, they're indicators. I mean, Warren Sharp says it well. He's like, it's free. You don't have to pay anything to do it. You're going to learn something about the defense just by putting a tight end in motion or a receiver in motion, and you might know right away, okay, I got man. Use it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a gift. Yeah, and, and you've got one of the best guys in space in the league in Deontay Johnson. Right. Who can be? Uh, he, maybe he's not the four-two guy that Tyreek Hill is. I'm talk about that too. But he's a guy that, when if he gets the ball one-on-one with with a defender, especially if it's a big defender, mm-hmm. uh, a linebacker in space, you like his chances to win that. I I like his chances a lot to win that. I think he's exceptional after the catch. We saw that with his punt return traits at the college and NFL level. And I was having a conversation with a buddy or something over the weekend, asking. Who's the fastest stealer? And I don't think anybody would think Johnson because he didn't run that great at the combine. But remember, as soon as we interviewed him, he's like, I didn't really train for that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I kind of looked at him. You don't see anybody wide, running him down. What's that? You don't see anybody running him down in the open field. I think he's the fastest stealer. He, I think he's the quickest. See, I used to think that too. But I think his speed is something we haven't talked about enough. And maybe the league and the fans out there haven't seen either. I think he's a blazer more than we think. And I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill on that jet motion, but I think he'll be that guy. Um, you know, he was used in a lot of quicker hitting routes because, you know, the quarterback, they didn't protect as well. The quarterback, you know, all those things. I think he's a run past people, too. I mean, I, th- I think they, they have some other guys who I would consider mm-hmm. the fastest. I mean, I th- they don't have one guy that stands out. They don't have, they, they've got some 4-4 four, four guys on that mm-hmm. offense. They don't like have be McFarland. Yeah, they don't have the 4-3 the guys that, right. you know, they don't have a 4-2 guy like Hill. But they've got some guys with speed. That was one thing that, you know, they wanted to add to the equation. Sure. Um, and that was obvious when they made the moves to, to sign Kareth White and Deion Kane. They they realized that they weren't very fast on offense. They weren't. 
Yeah, and they, at I mean, any position. Yeah, Juju's not a blazer. No, um, no. You know, McDonald's fast for a tight end, but that's, sort of, right. that's fast for a tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a four six guy coming out. He's probably not four six anymore. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, Ebron's even faster than what they've had at tight end. Yeah, you know, Claypool can run. I mean. If that race I'm talking about for fastest Steeler was 100 yard, I might take Claypool once he starts to open it up yeah. and starts eating up space. If it's a 10 yard race, I think I'll take Johnson. He's probably again <laughs> right. that to me that goes back to the quickness mm-hmm. no, part right. of it. I mean, I think his start stop is is exceptional. It's exceptional. Yeah. It is. But we haven't talked a lot about his speed. I think his long speed is is a hidden gem that we haven't touched on enough. I think it's legit. Yeah, I'm, I think uh, he's going to be a very big part of this offense this year. Um, very intrigued to see what he brings to the table in, in that regard. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he and Ben Roethlisberger are getting an opportunity now to, to work more together. They worked to, uh, together in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen last year. No, right. He got, right, more right. Play, he got more practice time with Roethlisberger than James Washington did the Ever, year before. Yeah, James right. Washington had no practice time with Ben Roethlisberger the year before because it was all Smith-Schuster and, and Antonio AD Brown. Was demanding of what he deserved. But we've talked about this, too. I mean, I thought, I bet if you asked Coach Tomlin, he probably said, we might have screwed that up. You know, we should have got Washington more involved. We liked them so much coming out of school. Um, you knew see. he was going to be in the mix at some yeah, point, yeah. Second-round pick. But I, I think that it had worked in previous years with guys like Martavis Bryant, and, and mm-hmm. Juju didn't get a ton of time early on with, with uh, Roethlisberger his first year, but then, you know, continued to work his way up the – the, uh, the, I mean, if you looked at his rookie year, the, the majority of that production came in the second half of that season. Yeah, that's a good point. They always kind of worked them into the equation. Well, some guys are different. It, it shouldn't just be a paint-by-numbers, hey, this is what we did with this guy, so this works sure, for sure. everybody. And, yeah, and you do have to go case-by-case. Case. But I bet they kind of learned a lesson with Washington, though, that we really like Johnson and Claypool and these early picks that have come after him. Let's get him in the mix with seven as much as we can early on. And also, the the state of the wide receiver room has changed dramatically. Oh, dramatically, I mean, yeah. I mean, way it's, younger. Yeah. They're also the cheapest room in the whole in the whole league. I mean, thirty two in terms of cap space. So you're, you're counting on young guys. Yeah, they certainly are, and they need those guys to uh, come in and play well and play well early. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the league made an interesting move yesterday, uh, something that changed in the COVID-19 uh, situation. Uh, I wanted to talk about that with Matt when we return. We'll do that right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, Matt, I, I sent this to you last night when I saw this uh, this story moved on, uh, on NFL.com. Um, the NFL has uh, opened the door for free agents to uh, potentially find some new homes here. They've informed all 32 teams on Tuesday that its prohibition on tryouts has been lifted. Yeah. Effective right. immediately. Um, teams had been ba- – they couldn't – they weren't allowed previously to bring players in to work out. Um, now they can do that. The only exception was physicals uh, for guys who had already been, you know, basically your rookies and things like that. Or you could bring sure. – if you signed a guy, then you could bring him in. They were already your property. Yeah, they were – you know, you, team, right? you, you have them do the physical and then you sign them to the contract. Well, now if you're a guy looking for a job, you can actually come in and, do, you know, hey, show us that you're, you know – we want to see you, we want to see and, we right. want to see you move around on the field a little bit here Before and see we what you offer yeah. contract or decide not um you know it's so now we, they can do that yeah we had a segment the days kind of run together i think it was last night about the available free agents and how the opt outs have come and gone that we expected a wave of those guys to start to get signed and some of that's happening you know i mean we've seen a little bit of that we mentioned demar dotson last night right tackle um he is now a Sign some of it was a glaring spot of right tackle. I, I forget it happened last night, no big deal. Um, so that's the beginning of that. And I would think you start to bring guys in here and there that you've been in touch with. Like, I heard some rumblings that Clowney and the Titans have been in touch every step of the way, and that's his favorite landing spot. And but he's kind of, he's an injury played guy, maybe that they have a deal in place and they, once he gets in the building and the medical guys stamp it, then he'll be a Titan. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the health protocols remain in place for all signings. Players must still undergo, of course, the COVID-19 entry screenings. That includes uh, testing negative three consecutive times um, for free agents who have not been with the team recently or two straight times if they were cut the prior day. Okay. That's significant. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, or acquired via waiver claim or trade. So this kind of gives you an idea uh, of how this process is going to take place perhaps now during the season. Um, you know, so if you, a uh, guy gets, uh, you claim a guy off of waivers on a, they, they try to get somebody through waivers that mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, make a roster move, bring somebody up from, from the practice squad and have to release somebody. Of course, you can go to 55 players now on game day. Right. Um, but if, if you're putting somebody back down there, for example, the Fred Johnson situation with the Steelers last year. Um, you have to claim the guy. He has to come in then, if he's been with the team, pass the uh, the test twice. Uh, that's over a, uh, essentially a 48-hour period because you get tested once every 24 hours before you can join the new team. Okay. If you're a street free agent, you have to do it three times. Right. So if you're going to make a claim on a guy uh, on a Monday, you're not going to see him on the practice field until Thursday or Friday. Yeah, right. he's not going to play that play week that for week. you. So you can't pick somebody up really that'll help you that week. But yeah, you need to know. And so, and that's even if he's yeah. as healthy as could be. So for Steeler fans, you, you better get to know these guys. We've been saying this all along. Those guys are on the practice squad. The people in camp right know now, them. Know them well. <laughs> know right. a lot about them because they're going to be perhaps important players for your team at some point this season. Yeah, anyone that's in a camp right now is has a high percentage chance of being an NFL player this year for all teams, of course. Um, it is nice, though, that you can bring in that uh, that free agent now, though, and at least bring him into your building and, and deal with it from there. I know you're not a big Hard Knocks guy, but it opened last night, and it seemed like a lot of it was COVID-related, obviously. 
but they were showing the tests, you know, how they stick the, the swab deep up their nose and these big, tough, you know, strapping athletes, how scared they were, you know, and, like, it looks really uncomfortable. Like, you forget about that stage of it. Like, I don't think anyone's enjoying test days left and right. No, right. no, certainly not. Um, if you look at the, the other rules in place for this, uh, teams can work out or host eight prospects for workouts per day. Mm, okay. uh, so the, the essentially the Monday, Tuesday workouts for yeah. NFL teams uh, can now take place. You can bring in eight guys. Yeah. Uh, but club personnel must wear protective equipment and remain six feet away from the tryout player at all times. I guess that's feasible. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, if I ever tell you my workout story with the Browns, uh, we brought in an, an offensive lineman, and generally you find somebody around to, to work out with them. And that dude didn't show up or whatever. So, hey, Matt, you're the new guy. Why don't you go out there and hold the, the bag, you know, while this offensive lineman explodes <laughs> off the ball and I'm out there in my button-up and khakis and, you know. And, and he's just killing me. <laughs> he's trying to impress Butch Davis and all these people. He wants a job. He's not going to take it easy on me. I'm holding the bag and this 320-pound tackle is coming off the ball just burying me. I'm just, <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> And finally, one of the coaches was just like, don't hold on to the bag. As soon as he hits it, just drop it and get the heck out of the way. So I, I was like a bullfighter. Like, go ahead. And I was like, dive to the side. It was not my finest moment. Did that guy make it? I bet not. <laughs> you don't remember who it was? I don't remember who it was. We tried out a lot of guys You were concussed that day. Right, 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 right. My memory has been wiped out completely. At least it was on field turf. I, my, my khakis didn't get all ruined or whatever. So I went back to the office ashamed. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the the hard knocks started last night. Uh, Anthony Lynn said that he had, had contracted uh, COVID-19. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. He had talked about that on, on the air a little bit, too. I mean, it was a huge conversation. That was basically what the whole episode was about. But, yeah, Aaron Donald's in there looking good, and, you know, it was it, it, it's worth watching. My son loves it, too. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, uh, Peterson uh, with the Eagles uh, has been cleared and oh, able to return to a camp, so he's back in camp now. That's big. I mean – Besides quarterback, I think your head coach needs to be in camp. Kind of needs to be there. Yeah. Not so much. At, like the first couple of weeks of this when they're just basically OTAs, I, I can remember like Bill Cowher wouldn't even go out on the field for OTAs. The position coaches were out there. It's a that, of a bit of a questionable decision, but well, fair uh, enough. It worked for him. Right. <laughs> um, you know, he, he just didn't want to – you know, he was doing other stuff. He, like, mm -hmm. he would be in the building – yeah, um, but he expected his position coaches to to handle that kind of stuff. And I can see that. I guess. I mean, OTAs are bigger now than they were then, too. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think from an organization standpoint, you know, like uh, everything takes longer. You know, we have to do these tests. We, by the time you get in the building and actually get you some football time, what are we going to work on? You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. I just think the the organization of it all really falls on the head coach. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can Time do a, you can do a lot of that stuff um, and maybe not be there, uh, you know, physically on the field. But True. Like, here's what we're going to work on today. If you trust your assistants, Mike Tomlin takes a more hands-on approach. He always has. He he wants if he could, he would be on the football field 24 hours a day. Yeah, I think you're right that's about just that. right, <laughs> that's right. just the way he is. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that uh, you know we're seeing some coaches. Uh, and again, you know, these are not. Yeah, I think Peterson and, and, and Lynn are, are both younger coaches. Yeah. But, you know, nonetheless, still, they're, they're still – yeah. worrisome than a 22-year-old or yeah. whatever. Uh, speaking of that, uh, John Ross left the uh, Bengals camp after his son tested positive oh, really? for COVID. Okay, well, hope he's okay, obviously. Yeah, hopefully but... that uh, works out for him. Um, 
another guy we we haven't really talked about this guy much at all. Um, hasn't played in two seasons, but the 49ers signed him to a big deal. Jarek McKinnon, uh, according to uh, his teammates, looks phenomenal in camp for Keep the. Hearing those blurbs, right? Yeah, I mean they gave him a lot of money two years ago, like you said, which I think was sort of, not because it didn't work out, but at the time I was even like, wow, that's questionable for a, a backup, basically. A lot of ability, though. I mean, he was a combine freak. He was a, a quarterback at, what, Georgia Southern. So, I mean, you give him a crack like that offense does, he can hurt you. I mean, he doesn't have the best vision, and, and I don't love the player. But it's kind of a sleeping giant out there. I mean, that – He's different, too, from the other 49er yeah, running yeah. backs. He's a bigger si- bigger running back. Pretty thick um, guy. They gave him $30 million over four years and have gotten nothing. Zero out of it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I didn't originally just thought this offseason he probably won't even make the team. Maybe he's in the mix. Yeah, uh, so that's something to watch. And, again, uh, you know, we talked about that Steelers running back situation. Um, you know, you know they've got Coleman there. They've got, uh, you know. Mostert. Mostert yeah, is still ba- is back. I mean, they, they've used multiple backs over the years. Mm-hmm. and That's their style. That's their style. I wonder if, if you just see, especially this year, more teams do that. Go to that style, but you gave this guy eight million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You'd think you'd want him. They gave Coleman decent money too. I mean, we talked about money being spent in each room. Niners are really high on the list, but they run the football. But they run the football. Yeah. but they don't have a great back. <laughs> <laughs> they have one of those expensive running backs. They're the team the that everybody right. points to. You know, when we were talking about the Steelers taking a, a running back with that second round draft pick. Well, the Forty ers do it. They don't have a lead back. Or when 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 you talked about. Uh, um, you know the team, the Steelers potentially paying Le'Veon Bell, giving him the franchise. Well, the 49ers, they don't they don't pay their backs. They do pay them. Oh no, they pay their. They backs. paid their backs. They have a lot invested. in their yeah. backs, right. And they but don't have McCaffrey. They just or, didn't get any return for it. No, right. I mean, they didn't with McKinnon, and so they doubled down and paid Coleman five or six million a year, which is a decent buck for someone that's not a bell cow. And then Mostert complained about it, saying, "Hey, I'm the best guy here, and I'm not making any money." <laughs> and they gave him a little bump to keep yeah. him happy for the year. So they got a lot invested in their running. Uh, one thing, uh, the NFL and the NFLPA, um, we're now a couple weeks into camp, and the NFLPA just announced an agreement with the league for daily testing to continue of players until September 5th. Yeah, they're going to hate that. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the players This is what their, the players association wanted, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a safety thing. I mean, I, I totally understand. I'm just a little jaded after watching Hard Knocks <laughs> last night. Like, I feel for these dudes. You really want to go through that every right. day. Every like, day we got to do this, you know. I mean, but if that's what it takes for us to have an NFL season, great. That's what you know when you talk about the quote-unquote bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. If you're testing these guys every day, it's kind of bubbleish. That's bubbleish. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, they may be in their car back and forth to home or. Maybe they pick up a pizza or something. I think if you're getting tested every day too, it drives home the fact that hey, this is pretty. This is potentially pretty serious. Mm -hmm. That uh, I better not go. You know, I'm not going to go out to this restaurant tonight and and hang out with my with my buddies. Yeah, yeah, right. Because I'm getting tested every every day. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) this is a lot. Yeah, and you don't want to let people down. You know, you don't want to be the one that shows up. It's funny because you mentioned Anthony Lynn had it, and I think he said something about he felt like an outcast. You know, like, yeah, I didn't like how, I mean, the, he had symptoms and didn't feel well. Because, like, I felt like an outcast. I felt like I, you know, screwed up. It was, it was summarizing kind of how he said it. And you know, I, I don't know if that's the, that's the proper position to take to, on right. that. Yeah, but, I mean. It could happen to me It could happen to anybody, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, no matter how much, how safe you, you try to be, it could happen. Uh, Sean McDermott got the new uh, contract extension. Oh, did he? 
well deserved. Yeah, I've never done coaching ranks, but he'd be. We talked about one not long ago. He would have been in my top ten, yeah, near the bottom. But he's done a lot. I mean, considering where that team was when he took over. I mean, they they went to the playoffs that one year. They're twenty five and twenty three right now under Sean McDermott. Um, but I think that doesn't sound great. I think that's but where right. they started from. Right, building it totally from nothing. And, and I don't know if they'll ever be an upper-tier team, but they, they know what they're doing. They have a system in place. They have a, a, a method to their madness. They just don't, they don't have Jim Kelly there running the show. That would help. That would certainly, that would <laughs> that help. Would certainly make things <laughs> a little bit easier for Sean McDermott, but the, certainly uh, he's signed now through the 2025 season. That's a long-term extension. You get the feeling that's, that organization is going to be very stable. You know, like a, a that's what you try to build. Right. Uh, you know, he's you can, proven that I'm, I'm going to trust you for five years. I think things yeah. go off the rails, or Allen's not very good. I still think I, I'm not going to do better than you as a coach. And that's the thing: you identify the coach if he's if he's is what you think he is. He's doing a good job. Just because you have a losing season doesn't mean that you suddenly make a change. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I think the Bengals did a good job of that with Marvin Lewis. Whether or not Marvin Lewis was the right guy. Um, you have to remember what the Bengals were before they hired Marvin Lewis. Sure, and they don't give them the same resources every other team did. No, that's, a, that's, yeah, a, right. that's all part of the equation as well. But uh, certainly uh, Sean McDermott getting a contract extension, uh, well-deserved. Well-deserved, yeah. yeah. I bet we'll see more of those type of things. I think we're going to get more transactions this, this next week or so. I think they're going to start to come together. Everson Griffin, Clowney, people like that. I think might Maybe we'll see, even see a Cam Hayward contract extension yeah, as well. Yeah, that'd be too. good. Yeah. That'd be good. I mean, yeah. I think that's... Uh, there's been some extensions. I don't think the league is worried about the cap. Especially problem. if they're looking at that, they, hey, we can play Saturdays. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There, there might be the golden goose on that one. Yeah, They for may sure. make out like bandits. Yep. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. All right, all right. And we'll do that right after this. is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. It's time for the Fantasy Football Focus. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And, Matt, uh, one of the websites that we reference a lot, uh, especially during the season, yeah. uh, is Roto World. And yeah, they, put, they put together a, uh, a list here with their writers of 10 guys that their staff is split on okay. on the rankings. They, they, there's a, a big gap right. on where some guys, you know, one guy thinks this guy's the seventh best player and the other guys think he's 20th. One thing I really miss about my ESPN days is I would go up there for the Fantasy Summit every year, and it grew and grew and grew. I think I was a part of it for four years in a row, and there maybe were 30 of us in the room, you know, Stefania, the injury expert, and 11 of us actually got a vote. So if we're fighting, what number, what tight end is Eric Ebron? You know, we would all vote, and they would compile them all. So my, my vote you know, held much and much weight is like Matthew Berry's. So when you go to ESPN.com, and you did your draft, those rankings were one-eleventh of my It was thoughts, a consensus, You know what yeah. I mean? But there was some fun battles. You know, like <laughs> we talked about everyone like a war room, and I'm assuming these guys are doing something very similar, that 
they kind of stand on the table and fight because you can go get a Ro- Roto World Fantasy Guide. Yes. And that's a consensus. It's not one person's ranks. Yeah. Uh, the first guy that they're split on, and it's not much of a split. No, I'm not sure why this one's on. This there. is all quarterbacks and wide receivers, by the way. Uh, the first guy that they're split on is Patrick Mahomes. Three guys have him as the number one quarterback. Two guys have him at number two. I think he's. I think he's. He's number one in my book. Is he? I just think it's much safer. Agreed. Um, you know what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes. You're going to get, you know, 4,500 plus passing yards, if not more. The passing yards are safer. You're, yeah, you're going to yep. get, you know, more than 35 plus touchdowns. He had 30. He had more than 35 touchdowns last year, and he missed time. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Is I think Mahomes gets miscast as a great runner. He's a good runner. Yeah. But he's been. Remember his kneecap was all. In the wrong right spot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, he didn't run as much last year. I mean, and he played hurt a stretch and missed games. His weapons are as good as ever. I don't think they're going to run the ball much at all. And that's the other part of the safer. equation with him. The weaponry is just. It's off the chart. He's, it's almost like he can't have a bad game. No. It's like a, bad, a bad game for him is, you know, 300 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. Um, like whereas, if I told you, you can have Mahomes and I can have everybody else of who's going to lead the league in touchdown throws. It's a conversation. Like, yeah. he's far and away the leader. I mean, we had that yesterday with up. Cynthia Freeland's, uh, when yeah. we talked about her, her projections. He's projected to lead the league in passing yards and touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially with Damian Williams not there, too. Like, yeah. Edwards Hilaire is going to catch as much as he's going to run. Yeah, they're going to throw a ton. Yeah, they're just going to throw the football. And, and well, knock on Lamar. Uh, no, Lamar right. Jackson's a fabulous player, and I think it's a it's a very close number two because yeah. of the the rushing yards that he's going to give you. But we don't know that he's going to make any progress as a passer. It, it may his be his weapons just aren't even. And his weapons is you know if you put him with Kansas City's offense, my goodness, sure. You know, or if you put Russell Wilson in there, right. or Watson, or right. It's, I think it's as much the, the people the around story. him as it is. I think Mahomes is fantastic. Yeah. But I think it's the, as much the people around him that are fantastic as well as it is just him. He might him. be the most talented and in the best position. Yeah. <laughs> of all 32. It's a nice, it's a perfect story. Put him on the Bears, and all of a sudden now it's sure. not quite the same. That, that's my argument sometimes when I say in the real world, I think Russell Wilson's every bit as good as Mahomes. If they're alone, what if you flip them? Oh, I mean, yeah. Mahomes would be fine. He'd be great. Yeah. But Wilson would put up crazy numbers. Right. Um, lastly, though, Jackson averages just under 82 yards rushing per games that he starts. Yeah. That's insane. What happens What down. happens if, some, if, if perchance, his kneecap gets dislocated? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And now all of a sudden he's not running. Now all of a sudden you got a, a quarterback who's throwing for 180 yards a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that number has to go down. Yeah. But it's a remarkable number. Yeah, you, you enjoy it for what it was last year. If it happens again this year and you take him as the second-best quarterback, you're going to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. But, again, if he's, if he that running part of the game is taken away from him, what's he fall back on? And if I'm Harbaugh and we're winning late in games, that's when I start to reel in the quarterback rushes. Yeah. you know, And I think they're going to be winning a lot of games. The second guy on this list is Ben Roethlisberger. Two guys, uh, the, the the highs for him. Uh, two guys have him at ten and twelve. Uh, two other guys have him at sixteen and seventeen. I can see both sides of that. You know, what if the Steelers don't run the ball well, or Connor gets hurt, or last we saw Ben, he led the league in passing. He's not going to run. But as we often talk about, which is the beauty of waiting on quarterback, the difference between quarterback ten and quarterback seventeen, which is their range here. 
Not they much. really aren't that much different. Yeah, you know, it's not like, that much. Right. The, the one difference is, though, that if you're taking him at 10, you're taking him to be your starter. Right. If right, you're right, taking right. him at 17, he's your backup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably in the Matthew Stafford, uh, Matt Ryan neighborhood. Yeah. Probably some young dudes in there, too, that I'm not thinking of. You but know? you're probably pretty happy with the rest of your roster. At exactly. least you should be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think he comes in somewhere in between that. Um, I think, you know, when two years ago, he was a top eight quarterback in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even higher than that. Uh, but you know, he was throwing for all those yards, and he had 34 touchdown passes. I mean, I firmly believe if he plays all 16 games, he'll be a top 12 guy at the end of the season. But I'm not going to pay up for him at quarterback 10 or 12. No, I'm not I'll either. I'll just take the yeah. 17th, and if it happens to be Ben, great. Yeah. Here's another guy that's a, a decent split on. He's in that neighborhood, too. Yeah, Daniel Jones uh, is QB 14 on two guys' list. He's QB 19 on, on others. Um, I think he's way better fantasy player than – Pro player. He runs, yeah. Josh Allen disease. You know and they're, I mean? like, they're going to be behind a lot. I think they'll be a lot. And, and his weapons are good. Yeah. I mean, to, I, I didn't. I liked some things I saw from Jones. I didn't like the pick when the Giants made it. He wouldn't have been my choice. But he rarely had Barkley, Ingram, Tate, Shepard, Slayton on the field together. Like, never. Yeah. I mean, and some guys will get hurt. But if you one, give him some weapons. Yeah, one thing that, that you might want to make note of with him, if your league – uh, dings you for fumbles, bad. That's bad. He's horrible at it. He's, yeah, he, the ball protection is not good, and that's not something that is going to be fixed in one off season. Like, no, and it's a real problem with him. His um, pocket presence is just really poor. Steeler fans will see that in week one. Like right, he may he may throw for some yards in that game, but he may turn the ball over five times. He very well could, and I'm actually buying time here because. If you're going to invest in Daniel Jones, you got Steelers at Chicago, Niners at Rams at Dallas, and Washington. That's ugly. Yeah. I mean, it really starts ugly. The first three weeks are about as bad as you can get. Yeah, that. I mean, I think if you're looking at him, I think that pushes him down the QB 19. That's half your yes, fantasy right. season. Right. I mean, even <laughs> just the first three games, Steelers, Bears, Niners. I'm not starting him. I'd yeah. start Mahomes against those guys, but I'm right. not starting him against those guys. No, he so, could get he could get beaten up pretty bad in those right, games. Right. Right. Uh, next on the list is Baker Mayfield. Uh, two guys have him at QB 14, 15. Uh, the other guys have him at 20, 21. I lean towards 19, 20-ish for me. Yeah, I, I don't, don't, I don't think volume. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's going to be volume. Uh, Stefanski called an offense that was 31st in pass percentage last season. Right, right. 31st. 31st. And that's exactly what they want to do. That's what their offseason told you they're going to do. I think Odell will be a better fantasy player this year than last. But I also think of a quarterback that you would draft in the top 20 in fantasy. I'm not predicting it would happen, but I think Baker's got the best chance to get benched. Yes. Yeah. And the benching could be, again, going back to that turnover right. issue. I mean, he's averaged more than almost two turnovers a game mm-hmm. in his short career. And if you're running the ball heavy, you can't be turning He fumbles a lot. He uh, yeah, he's got small hands. That was one of the things they talked about. And he, yep. he throws interceptions. He forces the ball. I and mean, frankly, I think this new system and everything will be very, very good for him. Not necessarily for fantasy, but he could easily not adapt to it immediately in an offseason like this or turn the ball over a lot. And yeah. You can't do that. Uh, going, moving on to the wide receivers, Adam Thielen. One guy has him at wide receiver five. Another one has him at wide receiver seven. The low for him is wide receiver 13. Hmm. Uh, I tend to believe I'm, I'm leaning more towards wide receiver 13, even though he will have volume because he's the only game in town. I was a mixed feelings about that. Like you can say 
He's by far their best receiver, which he obviously is. I don't think he's wide receiver five, though. Wide right. receiver five is like some exclusive company. Exactly. And it's not the same degree, but Juju found out that it's not always so bad to have somebody else there. You know what I mean? Or Thielen, is, he's certainly going to get more coverage than anybody else in this passing game. So it's not always a blessing to be the only guy in town. Um, he's good. This seems rich for me. I mean, that's like Julio Jones neighborhood. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, would you rather have Julio Jones or would you rather have Adam, Adam Thielen? I'm taking Julio Jones. Right, right. You know, would you rather have Tyreek Hill or Adam Thielen? I'm taking Tyreek Hill. Right. I mean, yeah, that, that's not even the, close. Yeah, those are the guys that you're talking about in that wide receiver four, five, right. six range. That, Hopkins. Yeah, you know, right, I'm, right, I'll, I'll take guy. one of those guys all day. Absolutely. Yeah, five into seven neighborhoods rough for me. No. Uh, Kenny Galladay. It's almost the same kind of issue here. Uh, Three guys have him wide receiver six, wide receiver six, wide receiver seven. Uh, two other guys have him at wide receiver 14. Closer to 14 for me, but I can see the love. Yeah. I mean, he's a big, strong, downhill guy and a good offense with a good quarterback who excelled when they were together. But you're projecting. You know what I mean? Like, you need him to take a step forward. Yeah. That's, to me, I'm not grabbing. I'm not taking Galladay at wide receiver six. Out, there are more right. proven guys out there that, that are deserving to be wide receiver. I trust their mm-hmm. situation. And the other part of the equation with him is, do I trust Stafford behind their offensive line to stay healthy again? He's it's had broken question, bones in his back twice. Right. <laughs> twice. It's a question, obviously. Um, some of these guys, like a Thielen or a Galladay, if you're taking him at wide receiver seven, they have to hit their peak. they got to max out to be worth that pick. And that's true for anybody. I mean, it doesn't. If you take McCaffrey at one-one, and he's not the best player in the draft, it doesn't mean he's a bad pick. Right. But it's hard for them to eclipse their draft slot there. Yeah, they're just. Yeah, they're not career. gonna. They're right. not gonna beat it for sure. I mean, Julio might. And another reason why Kenny Galladay might not make that number is the next guy on this list is Marvin Jones. I like this one better. Uh, two guys. He's wide receiver twenty-three, wide receiver twenty-nine. This is low as wide receiver 44 and 40. To me, he's definitely a wide receiver three. Yes. And but he's a wide receiver one. three that's going to have like three games this year where he just blows up. Mm-hmm. And Galladay and doesn't. consistency, too. Yeah. And Galladay does not do that because Jones is getting is doing that. Maybe Jones does that because Galladay is drawing double coverage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But Jones, is gonna, Jones every year has like just three, three games that are just off the charts. Yes. And – I don't think he's gonna have the, the the low you know crater type games either. To me, he's right around probably wide receiver thirty ish. You know, like yeah. easy wide receiver three. Don't mind starting him every week, especially if I got him in that neighborhood. This next guy's one that uh, he again. I, I, I never own him. I never own him. Uh, to me, he's kind of in that that accumulator mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Woods, uh, his his range goes from eleven to twenty one. And he puts up numbers every year. I think McVay loves him. I think Goff trusts him. He's good. He never leaves the field. He even gets a carry here and there. I just never own him. I don't yeah. have a good reason it's always, why I don't. It's always like, okay, five catches for, you know, 65 yards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right, right, right. He never blows up. Yeah. He's on Sports Center very much with an awesome catch and things like that. It's never a sexy pick. No one says, wow, I was about to take him and <laughs> put the sticker up. But he's, he puts up every year. I, I think wide receiver 11 or 12 was way too rich for him. Me though. too. Yeah, I don't want him as my, my number one wideout. My goodness, if I do that in a draft, I'll, yeah. I may just. You're in bad, tr- you're yeah. in bad shape there. 
I would take him over Jarvis Landry, who also kind of fits that mold of not being super fun and exciting. Yeah. But they're in the same I mean, they're sort of similar in terms of how I perceive them. Yeah, it's it's like having oatmeal for breakfast. I never end up with them. Yeah. Uh, next guy on this list, though, I, I do like Tyler Lockett. Uh, wide receiver 18 or wide receiver 26. That's his range. The people that have been down on Lockett love Metcalf. Like, I've, I haven't heard anybody saying, I don't like Lockett. It's more, I think Metcalf's a total superstar. He's going to be the Julio, and now you're the Ridley. He's going to be the Galladay, and now you're the Marvin Jones. I don't know that I project that for Metcalf, especially from a volume standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. Loves yeah, I mean, Metcalf's the kind of guy that you start and hope. He's, he's like a wide receiver three that you hope has that big game. Mm-hmm. And I think um, he's going to have a really good career. Yeah. Like, I think he's a good player. Lockett, it, to me, is a solid wide receiver two. Yes. And, and has big games. And has big games, And yeah. doesn't have bad games. I mean, he gets a lot of – he's got more targets than Metcalf. Yeah. And, you know, the scramble drills that Wilson, you know, runs around for a while. He gets open deep. I just I'd rather have him than Robert Woods. Yes, me too. I think the, I think yes. the upside is much better with, with yeah. Lockett than it is Woods. Again, a lot of that is because I like a quarterback play better, even though they don't throw the ball True. a ton. If Russell Wilson was sitting here between us, I bet he'd be like, I love DK. He's going to be awesome, but Tyler's my man. Yeah, Lockett's my, <laughs> Lockett's yeah. my whoopee. Right, right. You know. That's my guy. Uh, a couple of uh, – Rookies here to close out this list. Henry Ruggs. I'm wide receiver Ruggs. Wide receiver 36, and he falls all the way down to wide receiver 52 at the bottom end of that. I think there's a misconception about Ruggs. And he wasn't – I like Judy better and I like Lamb better coming out of school. But he's not Ted Ginn. Right. He's much more solidly built. He ran a lot of slants, bubble screens, break a tackle, and then run away from people like Gazelle. And what I liked hearing about him is I know they like Renfro, the typical slot type yeah. guy, but there was there's already been talk that Edwards and Williams are going to be the outside guy and Ruggs going to be the slot dude, which means higher percentage of easy throws. You know, slot guys are where you want your guys to line up, and they must love them. And to me, I don't want to look too much reading between the lines of what you read, and you only get to see him in the preseason. But he was first receiver off the board. I mean – and he's he explosive, yeah. Right. He's explosive. I've told you my rug stat, right? He touched the ball 100 times at Alabama. 25 of those were touchdowns. Yeah. That's, That's not going to continue in the NFL, no, but, not, but it's insanity. let's say it falls to 10%. If he touches the ball 50 times this year, and right. you know. Scores, I bet he catches more than 50 passes. Yeah, they're going to find ways to get him the football. Mm-hmm. Um, Their defense isn't yeah. good, too, by the way. They're going to be losing late. Yeah, game. I mean, if you get him... Again, you're looking at wide receiver 36. That's your wide rec- low end wide receiver three mm-hmm. uh, to 52 is is you know low end. I'd probably have him is wide receiver 40. four or five. Yeah, and if you know if you got to start him and he blows up that week, well, yeah, if I'm stocked everywhere else and he's my wide receiver three. I mean, ideally he's a four with some upside yeah. to me. But of the, of the rookies, I'm really warming up to him. Uh, the other guy on this list, C.D. Lamb, and we've heard talk out of Dallas that they think that uh, he can be a thousand yard receiver and they can have three thousand yard receivers. I'm not buying that. Right. Um, I think he's clearly number three on the in the pecking order. Um, I do too. Whereas I think Gallup's a really good player. I think Gallup's a really good f- football right. player, and obviously Cooper's going to demand the football as well. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know what the upside is with with C.D. Lamb. This this is not a Randy Moss situation here. And I don't think they're going to be – I think it's a really good offense, but they're not going to be super pass-heavy. I mean, they're going to protect the defense. They're going to run the football. They'll live in three receiver sets, which means he'll be on the field a high percentage of the time. That's a McCarthy thing. 
And one of the things that they mentioned here is the Cowboys have the second most available targets from last year. There's 190 targets that walked out the door. Yeah, but most of those were Jason Witten. Mean anything. I don't like that stat. <laughs> yeah. You know, like some of them are Witten or go to Jarwin. A lot of them are Randall Cobb. But did I start Randall Cobb last year? Right. No. no. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And so the, the range for C.D. Lamb is 39 to 59. Um, I'm okay with him if I take him as my wide receiver four mm-hmm. in hope that you know, maybe one of those other guys gets hurt. That's what I was going to say. I mean, more so than even Judy or Ruggs, if one of the two Cowboy receivers gets hurt, now you're now I'm, Now I'm in, yeah. Now he's, right, now he's right. an every-week guy. Yeah. yeah. But until then, I'm not interested in starting him on a week-to-week basis. No, but I like the player. I mean, yeah. I think they'll be really happy with him. But that's one of those cases too. I don't know if there's enough balls to go around. Yeah, Zeke's you got a, you got Ezekiel Elliott in right. your backfield. You're not going to ignore him. Jarwin's going to catch forty balls, something like that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's an interesting list and uh, certainly uh, worth a, a look there. Uh, that was, of course, on Roto World. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. That was the uh, fantasy football focus for today. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back right after this. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And, uh, Matt, uh, Todd McShay put out his early mock for yes. the uh, from on ESPN for the uh, for the season here. First of all, the Steelers he has picking, I believe, 22nd. I think that's all based off Vegas win totals. Yeah. Well. So, obviously, he has the Steelers as a playoff team. Uh, their pick, not real sexy. Trey Smith, an offensive tackle slash guard from Tennessee. I've heard of them, and I've, I've, been, I've done more draft research this year than usual at this point. Draft research this year is going to be uh, – <laughs> It might be done. I don't do any more. We've talked about this right. a lot. I mean, if they play in the in the spring and the fall, uh, which obviously that's what they're planning on doing here. Um, if Trey Smith doesn't play another snap, I might need know all I need to know about the guy. <laughs> as long a, as he doesn't murder somebody right. in the offseason or do something stupid, yeah. He's – from what I've read, again, I haven't studied studied him. From what I've read, most people have him as the top guard prospect, but certainly could be a tackle. I would think the, the guard is not a need for the Steelers. Well, McShay makes note that the Steelers don't have a single offensive lineman signed after the 2021 season. Okay. Now, I think that will change. Well, the guy that's drafted will be. Yeah, they, they got Kevin Dotson, who yeah, they Dotson, just drafted. Right. Uh, none of their starters, I, I think. Okay, that's Although fair. he is also considering Stefan Wisniewski a starter. Fair enough. But even if Stefan Wisniewski is not a starter, the fact remains that they're th- top, th- you know, they're top guys uh, because you have, uh, I think, left tackle is going to be a bigger need potentially. I think tackle's a need. Yeah. Like I would not. I mean, unless something disastrous happens with Ramon or Wisniewski or even Pouncey, the older guys, I think you're in the market for a developmental tackle, maybe a starter. You hope not. But like if Banner doesn't work out. And you look and you go into the offseason saying we only got Chukes. Right, that could happen. I think they, re- I think they make a strong push to re-sign, to sign Filer. Um, yeah. I would, you know, we we talked about the Hayward contract extension potential. Uh, Filer would be a guy that I would look at extending right now as well. 
See, I love extending those guys that haven't made a lot of money yet. Yeah. Because you can get them probably. But he's he's in a different situation than Finney because he's been a starter for your team in the last two oh, years. Oh, you have to pay him well. Yeah. But you might get him on 80 cents in the dollar because Mrs. Filer's like, we'll take that. Kind of the deal you got Bill in the wave on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you do that now as opposed to waiting. They got Bill in the wave for $6 million a year. He's your starting left tackle. I think you're with me and think that Filer is a long-term starter somewhere. Somewhere on, on your line, yeah. Line. Right. Yeah, whether so that be a tackle or guard. The, the question now becomes, does he want to be paid tackle money? Does he think he's going to be – that's where his future mm-hmm. is at. He can go on the open market and oh, somebody will make – Hubbard. Yeah, somebody will make right. him their starting right tackle. Or is he happy here? He is a Pennsylvania guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is he happy and just says, okay, I'll, I'll play wherever. I just like it here. They, they this, this was the team well, that, that gave me a chance. That's why I think the timing's so important. You do it now, and instead of $8 million, you give them $7 million, a nice signing bonus or whatever. You know, whatever it is, just give them 80 or $0.90 cents on the dollar. Give them a year up. Pay them a year earlier than if he hits the open market where he'd get more. And you got the familiarity, and you know he is. I think he'd be it'd be crazy to let him go, considering all those. things. Yeah, he's the he's the one young guy in that starting mm-hmm. line outside of the, the the two guys vying for the right tackle job. You can't let all those guys go. You have right, to, right. yeah, make a decision there. Uh, so the uh, the, the draft uh, picks here. Uh, he has go a lot of directions. He has Jacksonville taking Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, Washington taking Patrick Sertain the second, the big corner out of yeah. Bama, right? The Bengals. Getting uh, Pinnell Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I haven't watched him much. I saw a couple clips. People were talking about him being Ogden Pace. Right? Yeah. I mean, like a rare, rare tackle prospect. I mean, I think he'd be ideal for the Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. you got to protect the, 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 mm-hmm. your quarterback I bet that's drafted. It's the first mock I've seen all year. I bet that I bet Sewell gets mocked to the Bengals 800 times between now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Carolina, he has uh, picking fourth pick, taking Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State. Mm, I was going to say take anybody defense, but yeah, yeah. quarterback makes sense. Uh, five, the uh, Miami Dolphins take Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU. Real quick, there's a chance that Fields and Lance, who are fighting for that second quarterback spot, might, might not play. One, they might yeah. be one-year starters. Right. They might be Trubisky-like this year. Yeah. And that's scary. That is very scary. Uh, six is another guy who has opted out. That's already opted out. That's Micah Parsons to the Giants, mm-hmm. uh, the inside linebacker out of Penn State. Carl Banks was the last time the Giants took a linebacker in the first round. Yeah. So that's not really what they do, but it's certainly a need. Uh, the Detroit Lions, he is taking Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. I believe he opted out too, I believe. He did. Yeah. He did. He's a big physical receiver. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders uh, take Gregory Rosu. Uh, He's a really long, athletic Freaky edge dude. Yeah, outside linebacker out of Miami. Uh, the Cardinals take Devonta Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama. They Another just keep total burner. They just keep producing wide receivers. They had two two wide receivers in the first round last year. They're, They're gonna, gonna have two this year. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a good chance. He said the Cardinals. And the next, yeah, he goes to the Cardinals. The next pick, in fact, is the uh, other wide receiver out of Alabama, Jalen Waddell. Waddell, yeah. yeah. And then both those guys are gonna be high picks. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos go uh, offensive tackle. They take uh, Samuel. Cosme out of uh, Texas. Okay, yeah, I mean, projected high. Um, this the next guy, the inside linebacker out of Notre Dame, whose name I cannot pronounce. Uh, Jeremiah Osuwu. I think his brother was in the draft this year, right? Uh, I don't know much about him. Koromoa. Uh, uh, yeah, what, I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Whatever it is, inside linebacker out of uh, out of Notre Dame. I'm interested in that. Owusu. Uh, he had. I think he had a brother in the draft this year, right? There was an Owasu, Owasu that yeah. was 
a outside guy that ended up with the Chargers two years ago from USC. Yeah, that, I think that's his brother, I believe. I'm uh, scrolling now just to see the the, the, spe- the spelling. Uh, the the Bears then take Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. That's the I other think quarterback. They need a quarterback bad. That's the third quarterback off the board. Um, Travis Etienne goes to the Dolphins mm-hmm. at number 15. A lot of people thought he'd have been the first back taken this year. Yeah. Carlos uh, Basham Jr., the defensive end out of Wake Forest, yeah. goes to the Browns at 16. His brother's in the league, too. The uh, Jaguars have a second pick via the Rams. They take Chris Olave uh, from Ohio State. I don't hate their receivers. I would not go receiver if I were them. I mean, Chark and you just took Chenault. And they need – I would just keep keeping draft defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Packers take Nico Collins, wide receiver out of Michigan. Lots of receivers in this uh, first round again. Yes, that's going to be a theme. I mean, I've heard people saying, just like we heard a year ago, this is the best receiver class I've ever seen. Some people are saying this one's just as good, if yeah. not better. The Titans take Tyler Shelvin, defensive tackle out of LSU. That's the first defensive tackle taken. I mm-hmm. guarantee that does not happen. No. There will a, be a big guy taken in the top ten. There always is. Yeah. And somebody will emerge. There's a kid of Florida State that's highly regarded. But that position is soft this year. Yeah. Uh, the Colts at 20 take uh, Pat uh, Fryermuth uh, from the Big tight end from Penn State. Uh, the He's Vikings, a two-wake type guy. Yeah. Vikings at 21 take Javon Holland, safety out of uh, Oregon. That's the first safety off the board. Um, and that's uh, – They have the best pair of safeties in the league. Yeah, I'm just looking down here. Another Alabama. The Dylan Moses goes at 26 to the Patriots. That's an obvious need for them. It is. Uh, the the uh, Pitt Panthers have uh, Patrick Jones, defensive end, goes to the Cowboys at 28. Wow. Uh, the Ravens take Wyatt Davis, the guard out of Ohio State, at 30. He does not have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. That would be the Chiefs. Uh, Wyatt so. Davis is considered a really good guard prospect, yeah. too. Yeah, so lots of uh, lots of intrigue there, but obviously that's going to change a lot over the, uh, oh, yeah. the coming months here, and especially that, that order, and we'll see how, how, how this thing all stacks out. But I thought it was interesting just to take a look at that first. McShay mock draft. I don't keep in touch with Todd a lot, but I like him and I got to know him pretty well at ESPN. His least favorite thing to do on the whole planet is when he has to do that mock draft the day after the draft. Yeah. And I think he got out of it because he had COVID. And he might even be happy about that situation. <laughs> but I think this is the first one he's done since. And it, it, they only make you look You're bad. guessing, yeah. Because six months from now, someone's going to be like, you had this guy in the yeah. first round. 18 of those guys won't go in the first round. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's really a crapshoot, but it's yeah. interesting. Lawrence will go number one, and that's about it. And you know that one, right? That's about it, right. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Steelers running backs coach Eddie Faulkner right after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And speaking of trucks, uh, Eddie Faulkner has a bunch of trucks yeah, at his does. disposal in the Steelers running back room. It's a good good young stable, and I'm really excited to see how it works out this year and, and their usage. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that works out. We talked about that a lot earlier in the show. Let's hear what Eddie Faulkner had to say earlier today with the media. Hey, Eddie, uh, we you know, talked to James, and he said he never really considered opting out of this season. Had you ever had any kind of consideration with him, and did you ever think you might not have him for this? 
you know, the climate being what it is, obviously, in, in his uh, previous situation um, being what it was, you know, that could always be a possibility. But um, knowing his heart and where he's at and the kind of competitive he was, it was never a real thought in my head. I mean, um, it's not, it's never, it's never anything that was even approached in, in a conversation or that he and I had or anything like that. So, to be honest with you, I kind of fully expected, you know, expected um, him to be a full participant. Um, and, you know, that's just how he's built. Okay. Thank you. Brian Backo, Post Gazette. Hey, Eddie, how you doing? Doing well. Um, just curious with Jalen Samuels um, being on the, the reserve list and everything, um, how much is he missing from what you guys are doing? Is it almost relatively better to have him out uh, right now rather than later? And, and I guess how much do you still get to correspond with him and uh, keep him in the loop as much as possible? Um, so to your first question, I mean, any time missed and, and days of work missed isn't necessarily a good thing. But if you're going to miss some time, it would be in the front end of this where it's, um, you know, tempo down, it's walkthrough, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, meetings and stuff like that. Um, yes, I talk to him daily. Not only, you know, first of all, my most important concern is his well-being. Secondly, to make sure he's up to speed um, as far as meetings and what we've talked about and um, plays going in that day. Um, he does have the advantage of going into his third year, so he's done most of these things and, and everything will resound, you know, resonate with him once he hears it. He's just going to have to go out and, um, you know, when he does show up, hit the ground running. Um, you know, COVID has put us in that type of situation where guys got to be willing to show up and and um, and show out um, if they are put into that protocol. So I would expect him to do that, and I do have confidence that when he gets here, he'll know what to you know he'll know what he's doing and can be able to go play fast and react fast to what's going on. Thanks, Crowder, ESPN. Hey, Eddie, good to see you. Um, you know, a lot's been made about Ben coming back and how much that's just going to lift the offense as a whole. But for the run game, what other things need to happen to make sure that a re things, whether it's on the line or specific things that Connor can do, um, other than just stay healthy, need to happen for the run game to improve? Um, you know, we've been, obviously, we know that needs to be an improvement. Um, we've worked on it. Um, Ben's presence opens up the run game. I also think the run game can help um, Ben, you know, with some things. So, obviously, we put an emphasis on improving that way. Um, yes, health is one concern, but we can all take our piece of the puzzle of, of how we can improve, what things we need to improve, whatever detail that is, whether it's running a play differently, identifying it differently, what have you. Um, and we've gone through that with a fine-tooth comb, even virtually in the offseason. And I feel really confident about where it's at. Um, and I feel confident about my room in a hole that whoever's toting the rock can be productive. So um, I, I'm excited because I feel like the run game will, will um, has progressed, has gotten better. Um, and obviously when you add a Hall of Fame quarterback um, to the mix, that makes everybody around them better. Thanks. Dale Lolly, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hey, Eddie. Uh, I'm just curious, in retrospect, did, uh, did James maybe come back too early a couple of times last year and, and, and kind of – uh, made the injury worse than, than what it was. Did he was he pushing to, to come back and help the team? Yeah, I mean he definitely wants to be out there, but I'm no doctor, so I can't really you know say whether he came back early or not. Um, he's got to be the one that makes that call on his body and the medical professional. So I would defer. I'll, I'm going to always defer to them and 
and John Norwig and our training staff on what they say to do. Um, but, you know, I do know the type of person he is. He's always going to be chomping at the bit to get back out there. So as a coach on that end, that's something you need to monitor and make sure you're having that communication that, you know, he's he's taking the proper precautions. He's, he, you know, that he's in good shape, that he can go out there and play and play fast. And, and really that's my job. So I lean, on, I lean heavily on the docs and the training staff um, when it comes to things like that. Thanks. Jeff Hawthorne, 93.7. Hey, Eddie. Um, hope you and family are well. Just wondering, um, what do you feel like the options you have in your room with the different uh, types of running backs? I feel like there's a lot of options in there. I mean, um, you got you got experience, for one, not only on that plain running back, but also in special teams, guys who have been productive. You have, um, you know, a, a Pro Bowl type of running back as a starter. That one healthy, he's as good as any in the league. Um, and you have a, a bunch of guys that skill set fits what we look for, whether that be Jalen Samuels and his versatility, whether that's Anthony McFarlane and his change of direction and burst and speed, along with um, Kareth White being that similar type of back, Trey Edmonds and and um, uh, Wendell Smallwood, guys who have a, 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 a resume, um, again, not only playing running back, playing, um, you know, you know, uh, special teams. You got Derek Watt, a veteran um, type guy, fullback. You know, and I just looked around the entire room, and um, obviously Benny Snell came in and, and, and his first year did some good things for us and only gotten better. And I just look around the room, and I see a lot of talented guys that can help us. These practices and what we're going through now help us find out what they do best to put them in position to, for us to win some games. We'll go from there. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the room because of the versatility of, of all the guys that are in there. Jenna Harder, PXI. Hey, Eddie, what are some of the challenges that you guys have run into, or I guess have there been some challenges you've run into as you guys are slowly ramping up here? Well, I mean, you know, it was obviously frustrating when you're in a virtual type of setting and you coach football and you're used to being out there on the field with your guys and being able to walk through or, you know, the various ways in which we help them learn. And when you're limited to just being virtual and doing that um, via um, film, um, you got to be very uh, diligent about the words that you're using and the things you're saying and very detailed about what your expectation would be that, for them to execute. Um, I don't want to say that that's necessarily um, created you know, any adversity, but it's been a challenge. And, um, but that part of it's been good because we've still been able to find different ways to operate um, and getting back with them has been awesome. And so we're just trying to hit the ground running. Coach Tomlin says it all the time. We're not going to make any excuses because of the circumstance or what COVID has presented. We're going to take it in stride and, and execute. Will Graves, Associated Press. You just ran down a list of guys in your room. I'm curious, with the lack of, of hitting, you're not going to get as much added practice. There's no preseason games. You know, do you guys might be more inclined to, to make sure that things are spread out early in the season, that guys, it's not going to be one guy that you might have to spread it around just to sort of protect. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, guys are not going to have the normal wear and tear and acclimation time that they would get during a normal season. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, with no preseason games, it's hard to get that that true evaluation sometimes of some of the other backs. But at the same time, I know what a lot of them can do. So when 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 that conversation comes to my head, it really speaks to guys like 
um, Anthony McFarland, who who um, just got here, or Wendell Smallwood, who I'm trying to get to know, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, the nature of the running back position a lot of times um, is hands-off until you get in a, uh, a stadium or game-type environment just because of the wear and tear that can be created every day in practice if you're not doing a good job monitoring that. So, um, you know, that's part of my job um, is to is to, is not necessarily spread them out so much to keep the wear and tear, but also to spread them out and, and pick spots and see what it is they can do or um, can't do as well as maybe the next guy, and then that helps us, um, you know, put it all together. But um, it's just something that we're working through. Um, and, and, you know, these guys are professionals. I think when, you know, the ball gets kicked off, um, whenever that is, they'll be ready to play. Mark Cabali, The Athletic. Hey, Eddie, thanks for doing this. Um, my questions uh, about Benny Snell, uh, just based off of some of the photos that were provided to us, looks like he's transformed his body. First of all, is that true? Did the organization ask him to do that? And um, what do you expect from him this year? Well, I think whenever a new guy shows up, there's a process of getting them to understand how you go about your business as a professional. Um, that was no different when Benny as a rookie last year and, and the same process is going on with Anthony McFarland as a rookie this year. Um, so, yes, we guide them on, on the best ways to take care of the body, what to eat, the, you know, the proper precautionary measures they need to take to keep themselves as healthy as possible. Um, these are constant conversations we have, but then it falls on the player to implement those things. And what's been really good to see, and, and yes, that is true, Benny looks better. Um, he's done a lot of running. You can see the work he's put in, but the exciting part about it is he, he did it while being away from us. Um, so, you know, he had a focus on on getting getting right and getting in the best shape he can. So, like I said, I'm excited with Benny. Um, you know, that's a guy that's passionate and loves the game. Um, and so he'll pick things up. I feel like he'll hit the ground running this year. Mike Prasuda, DVE. Eddie, staying on the, the Benny Snell theme, he had a handful of games where he got a lot of carries, and that's when he really seemed to do well. What did you see in those games, and uh, what did those tell you about where he could end up eventually? Yeah, Benny Snell football. I mean, um, you know, he thrives. I think he gets better going back to college. He gets better as the game goes on um, and, you know, becomes a, you know, quote-unquote finisher of those games. Um, so I would expect that to continue to um, grow for him. My expectation in year two would be to him to be more solid in, in understanding pass protections, him to be more solid in understanding route concepts. Um, we did not need to ask him to do that as much last year because we have had other guys um, that can play that role, and we still do. But as far as his development, that's the next step. Um, you know, he's a willing and, and very capable pass protector, but I want him to understand it like I do. And so um, when he makes that next step, um, I think he, you know, he start, he's headed down the direction of being complete because he's got really good hands um, and he can protect. And obviously we've seen him as a runner. I think that'll continue to improve with the shape he's in. Um, and, and in turn, you know, he'll just get better with time. Thanks, Eddie. Ray Fittipaldo, Uh, hey, Eddie, how you doing? I uh, was wondering, what kind of tweaks did you guys make to the run game after finishing 30th in the league last year? Well, 
but I can't divulge all that information. But, you know, I will say that there's been some, um, you know, there's conversations on just things that we can do better and how we can do it better and how we can um, do, you know, get in better sets formationally, different ways we can run plays and create plays by motion, uh, motioning the guy to a certain spot and things like that. But um, it's, it's no different than anybody else in the league or involved in football is really doing. We're just trying to put our best product out. Um, and, and you're right, we do realize that we need to improve, and, and that's been our, our mission, um, you know, going back to the spring virtually. So um, we'll see where it heads from there. Chris Adamski, Trey. <laughs> you're, you're muted, Adamski. Oh. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> Only five months into this. I think I'd be better. Um, you referenced Wendell Smallwood, and um, what have you? I know it's football and shorts and whatever it is right now, but, but what have you seen from him, and how can he fit in the offense? And along with that, is it important to establish a division of labor in terms of everybody having a specific role in terms of in your room and what they can do and what you know situations they play in? Um, so, to your first question, you know what I've seen with Wendell is he's a pro. You know what I mean? He comes in to work every day. He's smart. He understands the urgency involved. And I'm um, not only learning it, but how he practices. He's just a, a consummate professional. So um, this, it's not any surprise that he's he's had the um, the, the record he has in, in the NFL. As far as the room, you know, um, I'm kind of in a position where I, I know what a lot of the guys can do, but I also want to give them the opportunity to show me what they've improved on. So as we get going down the road here, we'll start to see what some of those things are, and then you can start to look at a division of labor or who does what well. Um, but, you know, that's going to be the outline theme of the 2020 season in the NFL, in my opinion, is, you know, people who you can depend on, who you know what's going to do, who can go out and execute with not having, you know, missing a thousand reps um, from from what would have been the spring and the offseason, um, the guys that you can depend on and know what they do. So we'll, we'll try to put a thumb on that pretty quickly on what their skill set is and then let it shake from there. But as we sit here now, I'm, I'm just trying to see what everybody can do in the whole and then where they've improved, you know, maybe where some deficiencies may be, and then we can look at our team from that. All right, we got time for just one more question. It's going to be Alan, Alan Saunders. It's for Sports Now. Hey, you, know, you bring in Wendell, obviously, very late in the process here. Um, was that something that you had thought most of the offseason that you wanted to add, maybe specifically somebody with some experience before you got to camp, and, and why was that? Well, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. That's that's out of my pay grade a little bit. You know, the, the, the personnel department, they go about their business. They Whoever they put in my room, I'm going to coach the, the, the mess out of them and get them as good as they can be, and it's really as simple as that. I will say, you know, I'm glad he's in the room because, like I said earlier, he's a professional and he's a great example for some of the younger guys on how you handle your business. But whoever they put in that room to coach, I'm going to coach them. That was Steelers running backs coach Eddie Faulkner earlier today uh, on with the media. And, of course, uh, Faulkner uh, talking a lot about James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, even mentioned uh, Watt a little bit. He, he, it was good stuff there from him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this would be a good one for sure. Yeah, so uh, – that's going to do it for our show yeah, today, right. this part, this portion of our show today, I should say. We'll, we'll be back. back from uh, 6 to 8 with the training camp report. Uh, stay tuned right here for Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes. They'll be uh, c- covering you here from uh, 3 to 6. Uh, but Matt and I will be back. We'll be back again tomorrow as well with The Drive. For my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob here on site, keeping you, uh, keeping us on the air and keeping you involved in this show. We appreciate you listening. I'm Dale Lolly to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.